This is a Legacy of Laughs comedy from the golden age of radio, brought to you by RelicRadio.com. The makers of Chase and Sanborn coffee, the superb blend you know is fresh, present the Chase and Sanborn Hour, and your host, Don Amici. another Chase and Sanborn hour with all your good friends answering the roll call. Nelson Eddy, Edgar Bergen, and Charlie McCarthy. Oh, Mr. Nietzsche. What's on your mind this time, Charlie? I was just wondering, would you walk home with me tonight after the show? Why, sure. I'd be glad to, Charlie. Oh, I swell. You swell, Mr. Nietzsche. Oh, that's all right. Present two are Dorothy L'Amour, the Stroud Twins, Robert Arm Brewster. Uh, you know, it gets uh, awfully dark uh, these nights, doesn't it, Mr. Nietzsche? Well, not especially, no. Well, you know those hedges out in Beverly Hills. You never can tell who'll jump out. You know? Oh, Charlie, you're not afraid to go home, are you? Uh, no, not as long as you're going with me, Mr. Nietzsche. Well, I'll be with you, Charlie. <laughs> oh, but we must get on. We all extend a mighty warm welcome to John Carter, young tenor making his first Chase and Sanborn appearance. And to our dramatic guest... That famous bad man of the screen, Boris Karloff. That's the guy. That's him. That's him. (laughs) Did you see that? Did you see that? Oh, I see it all. Now, that's why you want me to walk home with you tonight, huh? Yeah, and when I hear you mention that name, Mr. Nietzsche, well... Maybe you'd consider sleeping over at my house, too. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie, it's not as bad as that, but we'll talk about that later on. In the meantime, we hope that you will enjoy our show and that you will continue to be our friends as well as friends of Chase and Sandboy. Nelson Eddy gives us a musical preview of his new picture, Girl of the Golden West, with a song he sings in the colorful role of the bold but handsome bandit, Ramirez, as he rides the mountain trails with his loyal band. Nelson Eddy singing, Soldiers of Fortune. He steal your heart and he run. 
little muchacha. He's bad, a cucaracha. His smile hurt worse than his gone. <laughs> Writing song, all right. But of course, there's romance too in The Girl of the Golden West. Plenty of it. And as a foretaste of what happens when the bandit meets the lovely lady, Nelson sings us one of the love songs from the picture. Who are we to say? Oh 
Nelson, that was swell. Yes, Nelson, you certainly are in great voice tonight. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that, Edgar. To, to tell you the truth, <coughs> this morning I was a little bit worried about a slight huskiness in my voice. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Did you ever meet a singer who didn't have a slight <coughs> huskiness in his voice? <laughs> As a matter of fact, I was slightly husky myself this morning. <coughs> yeah, well, we're right. talking about singers. Well, I've been practicing a little singing around the house, you know. Hmm? Yes, yes, indeed. He gargles around the garage and yodels in the yard. It's awful, Nelson. It's awful. <laughs> oh, what a rare gift is a voice. Fortunate, indeed, is the man who can express himself in song and does. Very well put. And wise is he who knows that he can't and doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, Edgar, if there's anything I can do to help you along, I'll be only too glad to do it. Of course, uh, I'm not a teacher. Well, Bergen isn't a singer. <laughs> so you can both start from screech, uh, scratch. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Yes, I know. <laughs> yes. Nelson, if I should take up singing... Oh. Yes. Uh, seriously, you know, uh, what would you advise? Well, um, I haven't heard you sing, so uh, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, well, I have. I know what to tell him. Don't sing. <laughs> well, Charlie, let's assume that Edgar has a good voice. Well, I don't say I have a good voice, no. Let's say it's fair. Let's tell the truth. No. <laughs> That will do, Charlie. No. Edgar, what are you, a tenor, a baritone, or a bass? Well, I really don't know, Nelson. I, I, I try to sing tenor, and it seems too high, you know. It doesn't sound right. Oh. And when I try to sing bass, it's, it's too low. It oh. doesn't sound right. Mm -hmm. But when I sing baritone... It doesn't sound right. <laughs> that makes it unanimous. <laughs> well, all right, I'm not a singer. Yes. Nevertheless, I do enjoy singing. Well, now, Edgar's right, Charlie. Singing's great exercise. It develops your vocal cords and the muscles in your chest. Yes, that's what it does. My music teacher says it develops your abominable muscles, too. <laughs> yes, it does. No, the what? The abominable muscles. No. <laughs> yes, it does. No. So help me, it does. No. You don't believe me. I don't believe you. Well, my music teacher said so. I don't believe you. Are you a singer? No. You know more than the teacher, I suppose. No, I just don't believe that's true. Oh, you don't? No. Uh-huh. You don't believe No, me. I don't believe there's any such a muscle. You don't? No. Well, they're down there. They are. <laughs> you gotta use them. Yeah. No. Everybody's got them. No. Standard equipment. Oh. <laughs> I have never heard of abominable muscles. Well, of course, if you've never heard of them, then they just don't exist. I hope you get the sarcasm. Yeah. Uh, you don't by any chance mean abdominal muscle. 
Adama, né? Oh, yeah, Oh, you are a stickler for splitting hairs, aren't you, Bertie? <laughs> you know, Nelson, I sometimes wonder if I have a good ear for music. You know, I start off all right, but invariably I end up off-key. Why don't you start off off-key and see what happens? No. <laughs> Why? Oh, just pot luck, you know. <laughs> have you a big voice, Edgar? Well, it's not big enough to fill an auditorium, no. It's bad enough, empty one. All right. <laughs> Charlie, now, I'm serious, you understand? Yes. Yes. I'm asking for information, and if you can't keep quiet, you're ex- excused. Yes. Yes, you're free to go. Thank you. I'll keep quiet. All right. But if you want my opinion... I don't want your opinion. <laughs> but if you should change, I won't change my mind. No. I don't want anything from you but silence. Do you understand? Yes. Silence. Yes. Is it all right if I breathe? Oh, yes. <laughs> but stop your blabbering. Yes, all right. I'm sorry. That's all right. He's sensitive, you know. <laughs> He's a sore head. All right. <laughs> what was that? Nothing, nothing, nothing. Oh, don't mind, Charlie, Edgar. I, I'd like to hear you sing a real song. Now, what type is your favorite? Well, I like the romantic songs, you know, but uh, I think I'm at my best in ballads, Nelson. Oh, you sing sad songs. <laughs> yes, I imagine it would be called a sad song. Yeah. Gruesome is the word. No. <laughs> You know, Miss Eddie Bergen sings so sad, our dog left home three times. <laughs> the last time he left, he took the dog house with him. Well, dogs are smart animals. He must have been a critic. Yes, uh, yes. Yes, he left the muzzle for Bergen, but he wouldn't wear it. <laughs> well, here's a song I like very much, Nelson. It's, it's an old Irish song. It's, uh, oh, the name of it, uh, it's, uh, oh, uh, what is it now again? Irish. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, Irish eyes? No, it's... Oh, you must know it, Nelson. It's, uh... Oh, Mother of Mine? Well, no, no. Uh, by, by Beer, Mr. Sheen? By, uh, uh, Oh, Kentucky Home? No. Shorten and Brad? Short, no, no, too no, sure. Oak, Uncle Tom's Cabin? No. Gone with the Wind? No, no, no. <laughs> well, I tried. Yes. <laughs> I have it now. Yeah, yes. Uh, Bakushla. Oh. oh, Makushla. Well, why didn't you say so? We could have helped you. Yes, oh. Go ahead, Edgar. Sing Makushla. Oh, yes. Uh, well, of course, I don't say uh, how I'm going to sing it, you know, or how it's going to sound. No, we'll tell you. Yes, I. <laughs> we'll be frank. Yes, I believe you. Now, Charlie, here it is. Uh, Makushla, Makushla, my poor heart is breaking. Right here's where a dog left. Oh, <laughs> Charlie, I'm making a sincere, a sincere attempt to get Nelson's opinion of my voice. Yes, I noticed that. Yes. And I'll be glad if you'll just keep quiet. Well, I only offered you my advice. Yes, I know. I don't want it. I don't want another word from you. I'm awfully sorry. Yes. Thought maybe you'd like my opinion. I don't want your opinion. I'd be glad to tell you. Yes, I know. I think your voice is all... I don't want your opinion. You got it. Yes, I know. Just quiet. It's rotten. Oh, <laughs> North and south, east and west, here's information you'll be glad to know. Special announcement. Here is wonderful news. By overwhelming popular demand, the closing date of our Charlie McCarthy free offer has been extended until February 28th. Yes, until February 28th. So even if you've just started using Chase and Sanborn dated coffee, you can easily get Charlie free. Remember, Charlie's over 20 inches tall, made of strong cardboard, printed in brilliant colors. 
He sits right on your knee and you can move his eyes and mouth and pretend to make him talk. He'll bring fun for months to come. And he's yours free. Here's all you do. On or before February 28th, mail us four bag fronts showing the date from four one-pound bags of Chase and Sanborn dated coffee. Dated coffee, you know, is the blend that's guaranteed fresh by our unique dating and rapid delivery system. It's rushed to your grocer freshly roasted with a delivery date plainly marked on the economical dated bag. And this date assures you of truly fresh coffee. Protects you against the harsh, rancid taste of stale coffee and the dangerous effects it may have on your system. So enjoy this delicious blend you know is fresh. And don't forget, by February 28th, mail us four bag fronts and we'll send you Charlie promptly and postpaid. Now please take down our address. Chase and Sanborn, 420 Lexington Avenue. 420 Lexington Avenue, New York City. Don't miss this extra opportunity to get your full-color action likeness of Charlie Free. Ask your grocer for Chase and Sanborn dated coffee tomorrow. Well, after that musical massacre conducted by Edgar Bergen a few minutes ago, I think it's up to Dorothy L'Amour to make amends. And she does it with a song she sings in the big broadcast of 1938. You took the words right out of my heart. Here in the moonlight, I found my sunlight shining within your eyes. Now if you see me, confused and dreamy, blame it. On this surprise You took the words right out of my heart And it was like a bolt from the blue You took the words right out of my heart When you said I love you When you said I love you I stood in a daze a while For I felt that way too The moment I saw you smile I had the words and you in my heart There wasn't room enough for the two You took the words right out of my heart And left only room for you the words right out of my heart 
and left only room Born an English gentleman and trained for the British diplomatic service, our guest Boris Karloff forsook the conference tables of Europe to win international fame before the cameras of Hollywood. For ever since his memorable performance in the picture Frankenstein, Mr. Karloff has been the world's most popular maker of chills and thrills. He's also one of the screen's finest actors. And tonight we offer a dramatization of one of Edgar Allan Poe's most famous and exciting stories, The Telltale Heart. Mr. Karloff will be the man whose experience this is. The man who... But let him tell his own story. I will tell you the story. Just as it happened to me. Just as it happened, you understand? Perhaps you'll say I'm mad, but I'm not. I'm nervous, yes. Very, very nervous. But how can you say that I'm mad? Now, just listen. Listen how calmly I can tell you the whole story. Everything that happened. I didn't hate the old man. I loved him. He never did anything to me. He never insulted me, never said anything about me. I wasn't after his money, and he had plenty of it. I don't know what it was. Yes, I think I do. It was his eye, an eye like a vulture, a pale blue eye with a film over it. It was the evil eye. Whenever I saw it, my blood ran cold. I had to destroy it. I laid my plans carefully. Every night at midnight, I opened the door of his room. Oh, so gently... I didn't want to wake him. You would have laughed to see how cunningly I thrust in a dark lantern and focused a single ray upon that vulture eye, that evil eye. Would a madman have worked so cautiously, so carefully as that? For seven nights, I found the eye closed. But on the eighth night, as he lay in his bed, I opened the door slowly. Very slowly. But the door creaked and it waked him. I could hear him sit up in bed. But I just stood there not making a sound. After a long while, I opened the door a little wider. Who's there? Who's there, I said. Are you frightened? What are you doing now, old man? Aren't you saying to yourself it's only the wind in the chimney you hear? You're awake. You're not dreaming. But who? What is it you want? You're saying to yourself it's only a mouse crossing the floor, aren't you? But you're wrong. What? What is it? Every night at midnight I must see your eye. But every night it has been closed. Go away! Go away! For seven nights I have gone away. Seven nights. You never knew about that, did you? I have money. Enough for both of us. Take it. Take it all. It's not that. I don't want that. It's your eye, old man. I want your eye. Take that light away. Don't shine that light on me. Your evil eye. You're mad. Go away. Now I see it. Now I see it in this light. There it is. 
wide open with that hideous veil over it, a vulture's eye. I've been kind to you, haven't I? Yes, yes, but I must destroy that evil eye or it will destroy me. Take that light away. You're mad, I tell you. You're mad. Mad. My mind was never clearer nor my senses sharper in my whole life. What's that? Don't you hear that? That thumping? What is it? Wait. Shh. I have it. It's your heart. Your cursed heart. Stop it, I tell you. Stop it beating like that. Do you hear me? I said stop it or you'll wake the neighbors. Stop it. Stop it or I'll stop it for you. Now, if you still think me mad, you'll change your mind when I tell you of the pains I took to conceal the old man's body after I'd done away with that awful eye. The night was still young, but there was so much to do and I had to work fast. I took up three planks from the flooring of the room and hid the old man so cunningly that no human eye, not even his, could have detected anything wrong. How could a madman have thought of all that? But the important thing was that I was free, free, free of that awful eye. There was the old man right under my feet, right under the floor, but his cursed heart was still. I was dancing a little jig to celebrate when... Who's there? Open the door in the name of the law. Who is it? The police. Oh, officer. It's rather early for a call, isn't it? However, won't you come in? Sorry to disturb you, but some of the neighbors heard a scream. Report was sent into headquarters. Someone heard a scream from my house? We don't know where it came from. They couldn't say. Oh, I see, then. Then why did you come here? We've looked in several houses. Why should we make an exception to yours? The scream may have come from here. Why, yes, yes, I, I suppose it might have. You see, I, I had a rather bad nightmare tonight, and perhaps I screamed in my sleep. Yes, I suppose that's possible. Do you mind if I have a look through your house? Purely a matter of duty, you understand? Why, of course not. Look anywhere at all. I pride myself on always being willing and ready to cooperate with the police. Where would you like to start? Let's start in this room over here. By all means. Whose room is this? An old man who lives with me sleeps here. Where is he now? This bed has been slept in. Yes, I know. I slept there tonight. Where's the old man? He left for the country, oh, fully a week ago. This old man, you and he got along well? You had no quarrel? Oh, we're the best of friends. I see. Any of his stuff here? Of course. All his money, his clothes, his jewelry, everything. You'll find them all right here. Why didn't he take his belongings to the country with him? He was going away for a rest. Rather a long rest, I would say. It's very quiet where he is now. He knew he wouldn't need his money or clothes or jewelry, so he left them with me. I was his closest friend. I see. Well, everything seems to be in order. Thank you. I, I thought you'd find it that way. I, 
I'm rather a quiet person, you know. Yeah, you seem to be. I'm sure anybody would swear you were an honest, law-abiding citizen. Well, I must be on my way. Oh, no, no. Please don't hurry. You've done your duty. You've searched the neighborhood and found nothing wrong. Now, you must be fatigued. Let me give you a glass of wine. I have it right here. Oh, that's nice of you. Don't mind if I do. Glass of wine on a night like this doesn't go amiss. Here we are. Here we are. Ah, it's fine. Sit down, officer. Thanks. No, no, no. Not there. Let me place your chair for you. There. Do you like the wine? Oh, that's excellent wine, sir. Oh, uh, uh, by the way, uh, merely as a matter of curiosity, where was the old man when you saw him last? Oddly enough, right where you're sitting. Say, you feeling all right? You look pale. I'm all right. Can't sit still, can you, sir? What's the matter, nerves trouble you? Well, I I do have rather jumpy nerves. Do you, do you find the wine good? Oh, yes, yes, indeed. It's excellent wine. About the best port I've ever had. Pardon me, officer. Do you hear anything? Well, I thought I heard a shutter banging a minute ago. No, no, not that. I, I guess it's just my ears, a sort of throbbing. No, I didn't notice anything. Say, this was wine. Oh, yes, the wine. I, I take particular pains with my cellar. I always try to... Wait. Are you sure you don't hear that? Well, not a thing. Maybe it's the wind. It's very windy outside. Yes, perhaps that's what it is, the wind. You know, I always think... I, I hear it, I tell you, don't you? I don't hear anything. Now, sit down or you'll upset your nerves. And don't talk so loud. I can hear you perfectly. It's quiet in here. Why are you smiling? Smiling at me. I hear something. You don't hear it, you say? I'm not smiling. It's your imagination, I think. My imagination. It's not, I tell you. Here, I know where it is. It's here, right in this room. I can hear it throbbing, throbbing. Here, here, here. Smashing that chair won't help, sir. It will. It will, I tell you. I stopped it once. I stopped it, I tell you. And I'll stop it again. I can't hear a thing. No throbbing, nothing. There it is. It's louder, louder. Laugh. Go ahead. Smile. Smile at me. But I can hear it. Listen. Louder. It's getting louder. Perhaps, sir, you'd better tell me now. I did it. I did it. I can't stop it. Tear up the planks. It's hot. Right there, I tell you. Go ahead. Tear up the planks. Then you'll hear it. You'll hear it, too. It is hot. It's hot, I tell you. It's the beating of his accursed heart. The heart that won't be still. The Chase and Sanborn Hour with Nelson Eddy, Boris Karloff, John Carter, Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy, Dorothy Lamore, the Stroud Twins, Robert Armbruster, and your host, Don Amici, will continue in just a moment. This is Don Amici and the Chase and Sanborn Hour with Nelson Eddy singing one of the most famous of modern Negro songs. Jack Wolf's familiar shortening bread. Put on the skillet, 
Put on the layer. Mama's going to bake a little short and bread. That ain't all she's going to do. Mama's going to make a little coffee too. Mammy's little baby loves shortening, shortening. Mammy's little baby loves shortening bread. Mammy's little baby loves shortening, shortening. Mammy's little baby loves shortening bread. Three little darkies lying in bed. Two were sick and the other most dead. Sent for the doctor. The doctor said, Feed those darkies on shortening bread. Mammy's little baby loves shortening, shortening. Mammy's little baby loves shortening bread. Mammy's little baby loves shortening, shortening. Mammy's little baby loves shortening bread. The layer, slip of pots full of shortening bread. I stole the skillet, stole the lead, stole the gal to make shortening bread. Mammy's little baby loves shortening, shortening. Mammy's little baby loves shortening bread. Mammy's little baby loves shortening, shortening. Mammy's little baby loves shortening bread. They caught me with the skillet, caught me with the layer, caught me with the gal making shortening bread. Paid six dollars for the skillet. Paid six dollars for the lead. Spent six months in jail eating shortening bread. Mammy's little baby loves shortening, shortening. Mammy's little baby loves shortening bread. Mammy's little baby loves shortening, shortening. Mammy's little baby loves shortening bread. Nelson, you really put that song over. I could just about taste that shortened bread. <laughs> well, thanks, John. It's always nice to know that you like my songs. Say, that calls for double congratulations, Nelson. There was an infinitive in that last sentence, and you didn't split it. Oh, no, Don. I'm happy to say that the talk we had with Clarence Stroud last week straightened me out and took me off the road to ruin. No longer am I an insplinative fitter. I'm a new man. What do you think of that, Clarence? Nelson, sock, you're a well. And I... What was that? It was my intention to imply that you are a humdinger, a ball of flame, a lollapalooza. A uh, what a palooza? A lollapalooza is a person who incarnates such outstanding attributes that the casual bystander is inspired to look upon him with admiration, or in the vernacular, to take somewhat of a gander at him. Isn't that a true analysis? Yes, it is. But uh, what causes those funny words to come out of you? Well, Nelson, in the past, you have laughed at my fluent use of polysyllables. Now I resort to the vulgate or slang. You are a reformed infinitive splitter. I am a reformed rhetorician. Two little boys from reform school. (laughs) This is serious, Claude. Uh, Gentlemen, in the future, polysyllables and I are not that way about each other. From now on, I'm just a mob. One of the mob. Babyface Clarence goes to town. (laughs) Yes, unconscious, I am going to town. I'll help you pack. (laughs) Pipe down, fraternal anathema, or I shall be constrained to slug you one right in the snoot. Why, Clarence Stroud? Unless your objections are irrevocable, palsy-walsy, that Clarence business is out. Just call me Chuck. (laughs) Chuck him out of here. All right, Chuck. What do we call Claude? You can call him Cluck. (laughs) That's all right, I like that, You know, Cluck, I think Chuck's running a temperature. 
He's certainly full of hot air. I assure you, twerps, that I am normal and in complete possession of my faculties. What's more, I have not fallen on my conch, noggin, or coconut. How am I doing, Nelson? Just call me slug. <laughs> slug Eddie, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> you know, uh, Nelson, huh? I mean slug, yeah. I can't tell you what this change has done to me. This is only the beginning. As far as I'm concerned, everything is hunky-dory. The goose hangs high, the stuff is here, and it's mellow. <laughs> He's slap-happy about the whole thing. <laughs> when, I, when I ventured into this new language field, I had no idea that it would make me feel so hotsy-totsy. I am rapidly developing into a ding-dong daddy. My peepers have been opened. I'll be glad to close them for you. Claude, <laughs> if you persist in this colossal effrontery, I shall be reduced to the unpleasant expedient of forcibly subduing you. Why don't you take a powder? Well, there's no necessity for that. I haven't a headache, Nitwit. You are a headache, Nitwit. You're both headaches, Nitwits, and I'm the one that's going to take the powder. Nelson, Nelson, I know just how you feel. I have been engaged in an attempt to be a regular guy, but it seems my efforts have been in vain. I can continue this hollow mockery no longer. Don't take it on a lamb, Chuck. Stick around. You're doing swell. <laughs> You're great guns. Your slang is tops. Well, thanks, Nelson, old boy. Old bean. Old brick wall. Your, your praise has given me renewed determination. I am fully determined to truck on down. I shall take the dictionary over the ropes and swing it. You'll probably swing for it. <laughs> Apparently, you lack perception. I feel you are a most uncouth bozo. Did you see how Slug Nelson has put me at my ease? Isn't he charming? Not particularly, No. Well, you're all wet, Claude. Nelson has more charm than a dog has fleas. Can you ignore charm? Can a dog ignore fleas? <laughs> well, that's beside the point. My... Nelson is a perfect example of charm. He is suave, cultured, handsome, compelling, and prepossessing. Can he cook? <laughs> I should say I can, Claude. I make the most marvelous biscuits. <laughs> Simply marvelous. <laughs> But you should see my real triumph. My own version of hamburger served a la carte. Don't you even unhitch the horse? <laughs> Another remark like that, bird brain, and I'll give you the wikes. <laughs> How charming. This discussion may have its value, but I'm here to tell you that without charm, we are destined to wind up behind the eight ball. An important element of charm, Claude, is the ability to smile pleasantly. You should always have a smile on your face. It's a nice place for him. <laughs> You're darn tootin' it is. You should practice smiling in front of a mirror. I do. How can you keep from laughing? <laughs> Claude, you burn me up. When I think of all the time, energy, and effort I waste on you, I begin to think I must be an idiot. What makes you doubt it? <laughs> Cluck, you slay me. It's not a bad idea. I see I can't do anything with you, but perhaps someone else can. Oh, Miss Lamore. Just call me babe. <laughs> Miss Lamora, just for a moment, let's relinquish the use of slang. I don't wish to impose upon your good nature, but perhaps you might help me impress upon Claude the importance of charm. Oh, of course I'll help you. Claude, wouldn't you like to be charming? No. Well, that ends that. What do I do now? Well, convince him, Miss Lamora. Don't give up. All right. Claude, do you know Sir Walter Raleigh? 
No, but I'm willing to meet him, babe. Claude, dear, Sir Walter Raleigh was of another age. He was the height of charm. He spread his cloak in the mud, and when he did that, he made the Queen of England very happy. Was she a dry cleaner? <laughs> of course not. Sir Walter Raleigh saved the Queen's dainty little feet from becoming all covered with mud. Did you ever spread your coat in the mud for a lady? Well, I did that once, yeah. You did it, and you kept it to yourself. That certainly is modest. When did it happen, Claude? Well, I got off a bus, and there was a girl behind me, and I spread my coat in the mud. That's really charming. Oh, it wasn't. I was in it. <laughs> Claude, there is nothing fitting in the English language to tell you how I feel at this moment. The only way I can express it, begging everybody's pardon, is in slang. You're just a dead pigeon. Stop giving me the bird, will you? I shall make a last attempt to be myself. I hope you fail. I shall appeal to Don for assistance. Oh, Don... Just call me Lug. When I started this reformation, little did I know what paths it would lead me to. I can only say that I am remorseful, regretful, and chastened. I've bitten off more than I can chew. Maybe you need a new set of teeth. I implore you, Don, to assist me to show Claude the value of charm. Could you help me? All right, Clarence, I'll try. I can't see you suffer this way. It hurts me. Claude, a man with charm should know how to order a meal properly in a restaurant. Can you do that? Bring me a menu. Oh, I see. You really want to do the thing right. Okay. This is the Continental Cafe, and I am the head waiter. You are the patron. Good evening, Mrs. Stroud. Hello, Lug. <laughs> Please, Claude, let's keep the slang out of it. Remember where you are. You are in a very fine restaurant. How did you get in? Mr. Stroud, it is a lovely day, isn't it? It is a much nicer day than it was yesterday, isn't it? Of course, it has been very nice this entire week, hasn't it? Yeah, I think it's going to rain tomorrow, though. Well, the customer is always right. Now, what would you like to start the meal off with? Some food. Yes, I know. But uh, what particular food do you prefer? Bring me a flock of oysters will do. Oh, that's very intelligent. Now, here's the wine list. What would you like to have with your oysters? Pearls. <laughs> that's not a bad idea. Now, Mr. Stroud, perhaps I can interest you in something to drink. We have some very fine port wine, some lovely sauternes, some delicious tokai, some bubbling champagne. What would you like to drink? Draw one and slap a sanker on the side. <laughs> Don, you can see what I'm up against. It's impossible to teach Claude charm. Now, will you please show him how a person with culture, a man with finesse, would order the same meal? Well, I stroll into the restaurant, I bow to my acquaintances, I inspect the menu with care, and when I'm ready, I beckon to the waiter. Well, that's really charming. Now, do you mind taking it one step further for Claude's sake? What exactly do you say to the waiter? Well, I say, garçon, draw two and slap two sinkers on the side. I'm hungry. and the Chase and Sanborn Orchestra give us their version of The Three Blind Mice.
Look, why are you in such a hurry? Well, well, now, now, hmm. What are you in such a hurry? Where are you going? <laughs> well, I, I, I'd like it. I'd like get an early start. Oh, stick around. You haven't met Mister Karloff yet. That's what I say. Let's get out of here early. Oh, but you, <laughs> but you must meet Mister Karloff and hear some of his hair-raising stories. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I'd rather not. Uh, Bergen, he might be interested in hair raising. So <laughs> Well, it's getting a little thin up there. That will do. Uh, he's sensitive about that, too. You know? <laughs> yes. Uh, no. In any case, Charlie, you can't, you can't go without saying hello to Mr. Carlock. No. no, he expressed a desire to meet you. Oh, yeah? Well, keep the doors open. Wide open. <laughs> Charlie, you're not really afraid of Mr. Carlock, are you? Uh, well, uh, no, no. But you've got to admit he's no Santa Claus. No. <laughs> Charlie, did I hear you say you were going home? Oh, boy. How do you do, Mr. Carlock? How do you do, Mr. Bergen? Uh, um, Charlie, won't you say hello to Mr. Carlock? Uh, uh, hello. Uh, well, good night. No, no. <laughs> Don't run away. I want to talk to you. Well, I, I really should go home. I got a lot of homework to do. Homework? Well, perhaps yeah. I can help you. Where do you live? Well, I live... I... Oh, no. <laughs> I moved there. He didn't give me that time. Oh, I'm too fast for him, yes. Charlie, you've got the wrong conception of my character. Actually, yeah. I wouldn't hurt a fly. Oh, but I'm not a fly, though. <laughs> I wouldn't trust you further than... Any further than what? Well, they don't make distance that short. I... <laughs> Charlie, I came here expressly to invite you up to my home. Oh, you did, yeah. Well, I think it's very nice of you, Mr. Karloff, to extend that invitation to Charlie. Yeah, I'm sure you'll enjoy it, Bergen. <laughs> <laughs> You have a place in the city or is it in the country? Oh, it's way up in the hills. The only house for miles around. Miles around. Ooh, did you see? Oh. <laughs> well, that sounds like a beautiful spot. Yeah, for a murder. <laughs> Why, that's ridiculous, Charlie. You know I'll make you comfortable. I'll stop at nothing. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> Stick around, Bergen. Don't hold me. All oh, right. <laughs> I've really got a lovely place, Charlie, especially at night when the sky is dark and the wind whistles through the trees. Yeah, the ghost play pinochle. Have you a large house, Mr. Carl? No, it's quite comfortable, though. Eight rooms, a den. A den, oh, oh, a den, yes. And one thing I especially like is that I've got loads of closet space. Oh, yes. That's where he hides them all day. <laughs> Don't hold me, all right. Well, uh, now, don't you want to come up, Charlie? Uh, you're, you're not going to find me hanging around your closets, Charlie. Charlie, you're being silly, huh? Well, it may be silly, but it's safe. <laughs> I understand, Mr. Carlop, that your greatest hobby is raising birds. Yes, right? that's true. I have birds. I like them. They make very interesting friends. What kind do you have? Do you got vultures? No. <laughs> oh, now, Charlie, vultures. When I talk of birds, I mean canaries and parrots. Do come up and see my birds. <laughs> Spider and the fly. 
I'll outsmart him, that's all. I'm just too smart. Oh, Charlie, you've taken my screen character much too seriously. Remember, on the screen, I was only acting. Yeah, I know, but I still remember Frankenstein. Wow, what a chiller. You saw the picture? I saw it, yes. I had to have my spine defrosted. (laughs) I've often wondered how it turned out. Didn't you see it? Well, no. I went into the picture, and after the first reel, I rushed out of the theater. I was too frightened. Do you mean to say you couldn't stay for the finish? That's right. But, Charlie, now, don't say anything to anybody. Let's keep this confidential. I'm somewhat ashamed of myself for being so easily frightened. Is that so? Why, do you know that while the picture was being made... Now, Charlie, don't say a word about this to anybody, will you? No, you know me. I don't talk. (laughs) There were two assistant directors standing by me all the time saying, Now, remember, Karloff, it's only a picture. It isn't true. It's only a picture. I'm so nervous about these things. Is is that the way you really are? Yes, Charlie. That's the way I really am. (laughs) Wait till I tell the gang about this. (laughs) Why, you know, Mr. Karloff, if you think that's terrible, I had an awful experience one night. I was walking along a lonely road, and a storm broke out. You know, lightning and thunder. Oh, uh, and aren't you afraid of thunder and lightning? I am. Oh, well, I'm not. So I was just looking for a shelter, you know, and I came to an old rickety broken-down house, you know, cobwebs all over the door. You didn't go in. Oh, sure I did. It was a haunted house. Oh, but that's very dangerous. Oh, well, it gets worse, too. I... I tried to light a match and the wind blew it out, you know. And you were in the dark alone? Yes. Oh, that's terrifying. Oh, it's worse than that. Yes. And, and then I heard funny noises, see, like steps on a stair. But when I looked, there weren't any stairs, see. And then I heard a moaning and I heard a groaning. And it went... Oh, but that's awful. Oh, it gets worse than that. And then suddenly, I saw a hand come out of the wall. No, no, Charlie, please, that's enough, please. I can't stand it. I, 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 I don't know. Go no, please, Charlie, don't. I, I, I can't stand it. Well, would you like something to steady your nerves? Well, yes, please. If, if I could have a glass of milk and some ladyfingers. Ladyfingers? <laughs> Well, as I was saying, I was in this house, you know, and I passed some skeletons. Skeletons? Oh, no. Yes, yes, yes. So I snuck up closer, see, on my tiptoe. No, 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 please, please. And I came closer, see, and suddenly a voice yelled, Boo! (laughs) And the funniest thing, it was only the caretaker in the house, see. Mr. Karloff, Mr. Karloff, O'Bergen. What's the matter? Look, what? Frankenstein has fainted. briefly is something of special interest to everyone who enjoys this program. Please remember this. Even if you just started using Chase and Sanborn dated coffee, you still have time to get a big action likeness of Charlie McCarthy free. Because of a deluge of requests from all parts of the country, the final closing date has been extended to February 28th. So don't miss this chance to get Charlie free. Charlie, you know, sits right on your knee and you can move his mouth and eyes. He's made of heavy cardboard over 20 inches high, printed in bright colors. Children, grown-ups, everybody loves him. And here's how you get Charlie without cost. On or before February 28th, mail us four bag fronts showing the date from four one-pound bags of Chasen Sanborn dated coffee. The blend you know is fresh. As soon as it's roasted, dated coffee is rushed to your grocer with a delivery date plainly marked on the money-saving dated bag. 
This date guarantees the freshness of dated coffee, safeguards you from the bitter, rancid taste of stale coffee, and the harmful effects it may have on your nerves and digestion. So enjoy Chase and Sanborn dated coffee. Mail us four bag fronts by February 28th, and we'll send you the big, amusing action likeness of Charlie McCarthy free. Take down our address. Chase and Sanborn, 420 Lexington Avenue, 420 Lexington Avenue, New York City. Be sure to get Charlie now that you have time enough. Buy a pound of Chase and Sanborn dated coffee from your grocer tomorrow. Nelson, we all want to wish you the very best of luck for your concert tour this year. We're going to miss you while you're making these appearances, but we can't begrudge audiences a chance to see you in person as well as hear you. We'll certainly be glad to see you back as soon as your tour is completed. And believe me, we're all going to be on hand for your first concert here in Los Angeles next Wednesday. Oh, that's great, Don. There's only one thing I want to ask. If you bring Charlie McCarthy down, don't put him in the front row. He's liable to break me up in the middle of a vibrato. <laughs> well, we can't promise you we won't bring Charlie. That wouldn't be right. But we'll fix it with Edgar so that Charlie doesn't heckle you while you're singing. Well, I can't ask for any more than that. Thanks. And now, Elson, how about John Carter? John, that's a pleasure. Before John Carter and I sing a duet together, I'd like to tell you something about him. He's only 26 years old, a native New Yorker, and I have a hunch and a mighty strong one that you'll agree with me that John is a young tenor who's going places and going fast. Well, Nelson, if anybody should know, it's you. And John, we're all backing Nelson's hunch and rooting for you. Thanks, Don. And thank you too, Nelson. And believe me, I'm certainly glad it's a duet and that you're singing it with me. <laughs> Nelson Eddy and John Carter singing Verdi's In the Solemn Hour, Solemning Questora. Solenne in quest'ora Giurarmi dovete Far pago il mio voto Lo giuro, lo giuro Sul cuore Oh. 
thanks Nelson and John Carter for that beautiful interpretation of the famous duet from La Forza del Destino. You will all be glad to know that John Carter will be with us again next week when Miss Marlena Dietrich will be our special guest. And may I remind you that this hour with you is made possible by your purchases of Chase and Sanborn coffee. That's the best way of telling us you enjoy our show. Until next week, this is yours sincerely, Don Amici, saying au revoir. This is Wendell Niles speaking for the makers of Chase and Sanborn Coffee. This is the Red Network of the National Broadcasting Company. This episode of the Chase and Sanborn Hour featuring Boris Karloff aired January 30th, 1938. You can find more from Chase and Sanborn Hour Past episodes of A Legacy of Laughs and thousands of other old-time radio shows at relicradio.com. You can donate there as well if you'd like to help support this and all of the shows. It's how all of this keeps coming to you every week. Thanks to those who have. Thanks for joining me today. Be back next Thursday with an episode from The Stan Freeberg Show on our next episode of A Legacy of Laughs.